patriots and lovers of liberty. I'll be your host today for the Holmes Politicast, and I hope you've all had a great week uh, of celebrating your independence and July 4th. Hopefully you spend some time with family and with friends. And with that, let's get started. My first article today is from the Detroit Free Press, and it says Governor Whitmer proposes spending $150 million to improve local parks in Michigan. This is by Paul Egan. Governor Gretchen Whitmer said Tuesday she wants to invest $150 million in federal relief money to improve local parks. In June, Whitmer announced a plan to use $250 million in federal stimulus funds to upgrade state parks and trails. Whitmer made Tuesday's announcement at Idema Explorers Trail in Connors Bayou along the Grand River near Grand Haven in Ottawa County. The proposed spending, which requires approval from the Republican legislature, would be administered as a grant program by the Michigan Department of Natural Resources and would support the economy's health and recovery of communities across the state, Whitmer said. These two new investment programs, totaling $400 million, mark a once-in-a-generation chance to improve quality of life for our residents, support local economies, and bring people back to Michigan as the state continues its recovery from the effects of the pandemic, Whitmer said in a news release. These investments will ensure our children and grandchildren continue to enjoy the rejuvenated benefits of natural beauty and outdoor spaces so prized by Michiganders. I look forward to working with the legislature to secure this investment for our communities. Michigan has about 4,000 local parks. Like state parks, local parks saw an influx of visitors in the past year as people sought safe, socially distanced outlets for recreation during the pandemic, said Emily Stevens, president of M-Parks, the Michigan Recreation and Park Association. The state is receiving more than $6.5 billion under just the latest federal stimulus program arising from the coronavirus pandemic, the American Rescue Plan. After earlier receiving billions under the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic uh, Security, or the CARES Act, much of the planned spending is not directly related to the pandemic. Um, yeah, so uh, fun fact, I actually was able to be there in Grand Haven when the governor spoke. Um, although she would not, I didn't have a press pass, so she wouldn't take any questions from non-members of the press. And she took like three questions anyway. But um, she supports democracy in general. And so she donated money to Whitmer's campaign in 2018. I can't remember. I don't remember now why my sister gave money to Whitmer. I don't know if she particularly liked Whitmer or if she just didn't like the Republican. I can't remember. But anyway, she donated some money. And so Whitmer was coming to Grand Haven. So they notified people who had helped with her campaign or donated money to come there, but um, she didn't want a lot of people there. Uh, I have suspicions as to why, but it was very hush-hush. And my sister could bring somebody, and the person she was going to bring dropped out at the last minute and or couldn't make it or something. I don't know the details. Anyway, she asked me if I wanted to go as her, not date, but her as her, you know, you know, to attend with her because she could bring one person. And I jumped at the chance because I thought it'd be really interesting 
to be able to go and uh, see the governor and be able to ask her some questions. I had a list of questions that I wanted to ask, and um, I was hoping there'd be some time to ask. And I got there, and there weren't a lot of people there because, like I said, this wasn't that's not a direct correlation as to her popularity because it was kept very hush hush. And the reason I, I believe it was kept hush hush is because, you know, they kept making reference to being the heartland of the conservative movement in Ottawa County. And I think that they didn't want a lot of protesters and other people ruining the event. I think they wanted it just to be a low key, quiet event where she could talk and not have to deal with a lot of protests and, and angry constituents or things. So that's my opinion as to why they were told, like my sister was told in the email, not to tell anybody where the event was going to be located or anything. It was going to be very quiet and low key. So um, anyway, I got to go and I had never been to uh, the Connor Bayou. I didn't even know that there was a park there but it's, uh, it was a really beautiful location. I'm going to go back there just to enjoy it sometime. But it's down, you know, if you take Mercury, it turns into Green Street, and then you get off on North Cedar, and it's just, um, I think it's right off on there, right on North Cedar. To the right, there's a, an entrance to the park. But it's a really beautiful location. I can see why. Uh, she picked that as the backdrop. She had the water right behind her, and uh, it, but it was really hot. It was really insanely hot that day, and uh, but um, and I saw her security. She had one one black man who was one of her guards, and he was just sweating, you know. And I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and he seemed friendly enough. Um, but uh, it was really hot. But anyway, she didn't take any questions. I mean, uh, she took a few questions, but uh, there were many of us in the audience who weren't part of the press that raised our hands to try to get questions. And we were told that she wasn't taking any questions from, from anybody but members of the press. And like I said, she only took like two or three questions. Um, and one of them, most of them were just, you know, like, economic questions like how much of the money is going to be allocated to here and things like that and not really that newsworthy. And then um, she was asked about the Republicans, uh, whether they would support this and all this. And she just gave a very pat answer that, you know, I will sign it if they put it on my desk. You know, I, you know, I'm urging them to sign this, but, you know, it was just a lot of rhetoric. Like she didn't really explain how the how she's going to get the Republicans on board. Um, she kept repeating that this shouldn't be a partisan issue, which every candidate, not every candidate, every politician does when it's something that they are afraid uh, is being politicized. They always say, well, this isn't, shouldn't be a partisan issue. You know, um, you know, the Republicans did it under Trump, you know, with the wall. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. We need to have security on the southern border. We need to get strong in immigration. This shouldn't be partisan. You know, we've heard about it with the vaccines and things. Biden keeps saying this shouldn't be a partisan issue. We should, you know, people should go out and get the vaccine. This shouldn't be partisan. It always comes up when there's um, when there's some challenges to what they're trying to do. They always say this shouldn't be partisan. 
you know, we all want, and that's what Whitmer said, we all want clean water, clean air. We want our parks to be beautiful. We want them, you know, this isn't a democratic thing that only Democrats want to enjoy parks and, and all this, uh, you know. But anyway, overall, it wasn't that eventful. I was really, really disappointed because I, you know, it's like one of those times that you think you get a scoop. Like my sister asked me and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is just what we need. For the show, I mean, I can get an interview with the governor of the state. That would be so phenomenal. Like, and and I was just in the right place at the right time. My sister needed someone to join her, and and you know, um, but alas, it didn't happen. I did get a picture with the governor, though. So, I mean, I you know, I got something. I mean, but you know, but uh, anyway, I I was really disappointed that it didn't turn out to be the big break I was looking for. Like, I really thought this was going to be phenomenal. Um, and I was going to have a major scoop, you know, that, that I was going to be able to share. But anyway, uh, it's over now. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but maybe, maybe, because uh, I don't know what my sister, I haven't really talked to my sister about whether she's going to, uh, because that was before she was a Christian. And so my sister has since, become a Christian and she has changed some of her stances. I mean, she's not completely done a 180 on her political stances, but she wasn't really all that um, far left anyway. So, but I don't know. So maybe, maybe if, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if my sister donates more money or donates to both the Republicans and the Democrat candidate and Whitmer wins again, uh, Maybe I can try to get through my sister. Maybe I can get some connections to the, uh, um, you know, to, to Whitmer. Um, I, I, I did get to meet her. I don't know if it was a, her press secretary or something. I mean, there was a woman with like dyed. It looked like fire hair. It was a kind of orange yellow. It looked like there was fire on top of her head. And, I thought that was very odd and very professional. She was the woman who was calling on reporters. So and I thought, hmm, that's unusual. You don't usually see somebody looking like that. Also, she had uh, a couple of other ladies that um, when I got the picture with her, I got to talk to this lady that somehow works for Whitmer or else she was just some bystander who just took people's phones and were taking pictures. I don't know. But I got the impression that she worked with, with Whitmer. And... Um, so I don't know if they'd remember me, but I kind of talked to him a little bit. So maybe, maybe in the future here we can get an interview with, with Whitmer. Um, uh, so we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, I was. It was a really interesting day. Um, it was a really interesting day. I, I, a little disappointing, but overall, it's some. It's an experience that I'll remember, for sure. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to keep an eye on that because. That's something that, um, you know, since I was there, I'm going to keep an eye on this. They, they want to redo some of the parks. And I didn't really understand what they were talking about, but they want to make some changes on the Grand River to connect some parks, I think, from Grand Rapids, you know, so that there's, you can go straight from Grand Haven to Grand Rapids by, by sea, by river, I guess. I, I, don't, I didn't really understand what they were talking about. But, you know, they, they you know, but they, they kept using, 
I don't want to say big words like I'm a little kid and I didn't understand big words, but they kept using really professional words like we're going to invest this over here and we're going to, you know, and reconnect this, you know, this over there and this and that and this bridgeway over here. And I'm just not familiar with a lot of the bridges and and stuff like that. So I really don't know what they were planning, but the gist of it was they wanted to um, do changes to the perimeter, shore up a little more and to make a pathway from Grand Haven all the way up to Grand Rapids that you could you could kayak or canoe or whatever right right to the parks in Grand Rapids or something I don't know I might be wrong about some of that I I don't know so anyway I'll keep an eye out um, because it's interesting this money is just extra money I mean really I can't really complain too much because it's money the taxpayers already allotted allocated to us for pandemic relief. Um, but the pandemic is done now and they already gave money to businesses and all these other things and they have all this money left over. So I'd be really opposed to this if they wanted to raise our taxes to do this. I'd be like, I, I don't see what we need to have that for. I don't see what the benefit of spending all that money on this when we have all these other concerns, but since it's just free money, essentially, that is just left over, um, you know, uh, if we send it back to Washington, they'll just waste it on complete idiocy, you know, like Biden going ice cream shopping. I mean, have you noticed this, guys? I mean, have, have you noticed? <laughs> Every time I see Biden, he's eating ice cream. He's got an ice cream cone. He's got an ice cream sandwich. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I find that odd. I'm not... This isn't, uh, you know, not an attack on him, or, or I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious and trying to make a joke here. I'm, I'm just being serious. I just see him eating ice cream all the time, and the media is always there. And he's in an ice cream shop, like he was in an ice cream shop in Michigan. He was in an ice cream shop in Wisconsin. Um, on July 4th, during the fireworks display, he came out eating an ice cream sandwich onto the veranda or the Truman balcony. I'm not sure which one. He was on, but he came out with an ice cream sandwich. I mean, like this guy eats a ton of ice cream. Him and Nancy Pelosi. Remember a, a few months ago, Nancy Pelosi showed us her her freezer in which she just had all kinds of ice cream inside of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is about Democrats and ice cream. I mean, Republicans love ice cream too. I don't know why the Democrats seem to have a monopoly on eating ice cream. You know, hey, let's get some ice cream eaters out there. You know, Ted Cruz and. Marco Rubio, start eating some ice cream. You know, we need to we need to balance this thing out. Ice cream shouldn't become political where it just becomes a democratic thing. Start eating your ice cream. Um, of course, if Chris Christie's the nominee, they'll have no problem. He'll he'd have no problem eating ice cream and Oreos and everything else if he runs for president. But we need to see more ice cream eaters by Republicans. Um, but anyway. A uh, couple other things here. This one is just a vanity story that I'm going to share because this looks amazing. Michigan's first indoor skydiving complex set to open this month. This is from Novi, Michigan. I think it's like pronounced Novi, N-O-V-I. I can't remember. I don't think it's Novi, but it might be. But anyway, I'm just going to say Novi. If it's wrong, then you're just going to put up with it because there's nothing you can do. I'm pronouncing it the wrong way. 
you'll soon be able to experience this is from uh, blah, 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 M live M live in the business section by Edward Pavos. I probably screwed up that name too. But anyway, you'll soon be able to experience the thrill of flight without having to jump out of an airplane as Michigan's first indoor skydiving complex is set to open later this month. iFlyWorld will open on Saturday, July 24th at 26975 Adele Center Drive in Novi. The indoor skydiving complex allows people's, people ages 3 and up and those with disabilities to feel the power and thrill of flying. iFly's vertical wind tunnel uses a recirculated system with four fans positioned for optimum airflow. It drives the air around in a loop, which allows for smooth and comfortable body flight. As the first iFly to open in Michigan, this facility is the most innovative tunnel in the world and will attract the novice as well as very accomplished flyers, said Bob Ash, GM of iFly Detroit. We fully anticipate people from around the world will come to Detroit to experience the Gen 9 technology, which makes this an exemplary tunnel. When it opens, iFly says it will adhere to current CDC health protocols in addition to its already extensive safety measures. All instructors are highly trained and guests, guests must complete a training course prior to flight. Proper gear, including a flight suit, helmet, and goggles are provided as part of the package. Um, then they have a little bit about the days of the week it's open and things like that. If you want more information, you can look at iFly. But iFly was launched in 1998. There are 80 tunnels worldwide, including more in more than 30 cities. The wind tunnel is used not only for recreational flights, but also to train athletes and military personnel. Uh, iFly sits on the site formerly occupied by the Novi Expo Center. It joins Texas Roadhouse, Planet Fitness, and Carvana. The site will also eventually include two hotels and additional restaurants. Uh, I included this. It's got no newsworthy. Uh, it, it has no news worth at all. But man, that sounds great. I would be scared to death to jump out of a plane, but I could do this. I could do this. This would be amazing because I mean, you're high up, but you're not real high up. Not like not like jumping out of a plane high up. And you don't need a parachute or anything because you're so powerful that you just float in the air and kind of fly around. I mean, I just, I think this would be amazing. I would, I don't know how many girls would love to do this, but I would like to put together a group of some of my guy friends. And if some girls wanted to go, that's awesome too. But, but I just know this sounds like something that a bunch of guys would love to do. And we should make a road trip out there. I think this would be amazing. It doesn't say what the price is though. It's probably pretty expensive, but man, that sounds like fun. Um, just sounds amazing. So keep an eye out for that. If you guys are thrill seekers or would love to jump out of a plane, but just aren't sure you want to try it out first here before you actually commit to going on a plane. Um, and I actually have a friend who loved skydiving and, uh, obviously I won't say his name because number one, we really do that on here. Number two, this would embarrass him if I told you this, but. He loves skydiving, and when he got married, his wife told him he can't skydive anymore. He was real embarrassed to tell me that because he's like, 
He's like, my wife won't let me skydive anymore. She won't let me parachute out of a plane. But she might not have a problem if he did this because he loved it. He told me it was just the most amazing experience. So maybe she'll allow him to do this if I if I ask him. So this would be just phenomenal. All right. Um, let's see how much time we have here. Oh, we still have plenty of time. Uh, this is the last um, article I have. Oh, we have some other things we could talk about. But um, this is from Michigan Capital Confidential. And it's by Olivia Miller. And it's Michigan's liquor taxes among the stiffest in the nation. It says liquor stores nationwide are about to see their first major revenue spike of the year during the week of the 4th of July. Independence Day brings about increased liquor sales in the states. Michigan is no exception, but with each hard liquor purchase, Michiganders are paying significantly more to the state. A recent Tax Foundation publication, How Stiff Are Distilled Spirits Taxes in Your State, compares state distilled excise tax rates across the 50 states and the District of Columbia with an excise tax rate on distilled spirits of $11.95 per gallon, Michigan has the 10th highest rate in the country. Wow, that's a lot of money. The excise tax alone is $11.95 per gallon. No wonder alcohol is so expensive in Michigan. All alcohol, all alcoholic beverages are subject to sin taxes, taxes that aim to reduce socially undesirable products and activities. It follows that spirits, which traditionally have a greater alcohol content than other alcoholic drinks, drinks, receive significantly higher excise tax rates. When compared nationally, though, Michigan's tax on spirits is disproportionately higher than its other excise taxes. Michigan taxes 20 cents per gallon on beer, 51 cents per gallon on wine, and 51 cents per gallon on champagne. When those rates are compared nationally, Michigan has the 29th highest rate for beer, the 35th for 35th highest rate for wine, and the 37th highest for champagne. That means Michigan has lower excise taxes on alcohol than over half the country, except when it comes to distilled spirits, where it makes the top 10 highest. Of those 10 top states, Michigan is included in the eight that are control states. Control states impose monopolies over the sale of alcoholic beverages, which tends to drive up prices. The Michigan Liquor Control Commission uses their published goal to promote the public health, safety, and welfare to justify regulations. Michael Lefebvre, the senior director of the Maury Fiscal Policy Initiative, at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy has published two analyses, one in 2011 and one in 2020, that challenge the widely accepted notion that increased regulation reduces the negative societal impact of alcohol consumption. His studies found that regardless of whether a state imposed heavy control, moderate control, light control, or just required a license, there is a little correlation between regulation and public safety. It is even noted that Montana, the only heavy control state, 
had the third highest alcohol attributable deaths. While the research found regulations on alcohol did not impact public safety, it did affect prices. Liquor prices were found to be 3% higher in control states. Additionally, a 10% increase in the length of a liquor control code was, code was associated with a 10.4 increase in price. The impact of Michigan's excessive taxes on spirits is more vast than pricier liquor for the average Michigander. It hurts the state's distilleries, especially small producers who are committed to sourcing locally. Michigan's high excess taxes, excise, uh, Michigan's high excise taxes for distilled spirits makes it difficult for small distillers to compete with national brands that can afford to make less per bottle in Michigan. While making more in other states, they have the ability to offset those costs and we don't, said Scott Ellis, owner of Michigan Distillery. Due to those higher taxes, the price per bottle for a small distillery is typically higher, which makes it difficult for bar owners to support their local distilleries because they either have to eat that extra cost or their customers do. Michigan's hard liquor regulations promote higher prices and disrupt business comp competition while doing little to nothing for public health and safety. It's time for Michigan lawmakers to question whether or not the state should continue its monopolistic regulation on alcohol. Um, my uh, opinion on that is that we need a free market in Michigan. See, that that's the thing that we always talk about having capitalism in America, but we have a form of capitalism. We don't have pure capitalism in Michigan. Uh, and in many areas, we don't have capitalism at all. I, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about areas of the country. I'm not talking about that. I mean, in areas of commerce, some areas we have free market capitalism. And in some areas, we have government control over that business, which is the opposite of capitalism. That is more of a, um, a oligarchy, I think. I think an oligarchy or Actually, I don't know. I'm sorry. Forget that. Um, it's more of socialism. Okay. Um, I, I said oligarchy. I, I get my things mixed up. I was talking about socialism versus capitalism. In socialist societies, the government um, runs businesses. So the government owns businesses or for the common good, for the good of everybody. And a lot of what we have in our country is very socialistic. Uh, we have, we do have capitalism in a lot of the areas, but in some areas it's very socialistic, like here in Michigan. The government is controlling alcohol for the public good. So it has a mon monopolistic attitude. It keeps small companies from rising up because they have made agreements with these companies. These companies have agreed to let the government have a lot of control if, if the government will stop competition. So that was the businessman's way of playing both sides. Okay, we will, we will allow government to regulate us, but in return, we don't want the government to 
to allow there to be competition. So you can regulate us, but we can be the only ones who can sell the product. Well, first off, there are certain things that the government, I, I don't have a problem with the government controlling because there are things that people can't do for themselves. Like I, I, I don't, the FDA, I, I, they have a lot of red tape that I don't agree with. It takes forever to get something uh, through the FDA. We're in other countries. It's, they, they have standards too. I mean, we're not the only country in the world that has standards. And these other countries have standards, but they're able to get things to the market very quickly in other countries. Like the Sputnik vaccine, Russia was able to get out immediately. I mean, I say immediately, but, you know, within a couple of months, you know, within a month or so. Uh, you know, there are many drugs that are still waiting, um, AIDS drugs, uh, there, there are cancer drugs, some, some drugs that claim they can heal some cancers, you know, things that are still just waiting for the FDA to, uh, you know, to approve them because they just have to go through so much. So I don't, I don't hate the idea of the FDA because we won't know if a drug will kill us until it kills us. Unless we have a government agency that can look and say, um, you know, that we've tested it and it's safe. And I know the libertarian argument, and, and I can understand where they're coming from. They would say, why would, why would a business put out a drug that they know would kill somebody? You know, that, that you know, they're not going to do that. So they can regulate themselves because they're not going to, to do that. But I don't know. I, I, I see the merits of that, but at the same time, even with the FDA, I'm always seeing these ads on TV saying, if you used, you know, this drug and, and now uh, I saw one of them for acne, a lot of teenagers were taking this pill to help with their acne problem and it, it caused kidney failure. And these kids now, these kids who just wanted to get rid of their acne now are on a dial are on dialysis. You know, if you took this drug for your acne and now your kidneys have failed, you know, call this number and, you know, for because we're having this lawsuit. Well, I mean, there again, I mean, it goes back to the question that if if they wouldn't put a drug on the market, that's going to be bad for business. You know, we don't need the government because why would they put a market on that it's bad for business? Well, apparently they did. You know, so, you know, so I don't have a problem with having that a checks and balance, you know, where. You know, they go through all of their protocols, but if they miss something, there's somebody else who can catch it. You know, the meat, the, um, you know, the meat packers, you know, make sure that our meat is safe. It's not been tainted with any disease or it's not been left out in the sun. It doesn't have bacterias. And, you know, we don't know that if we go shopping down, down at Meyer, we don't know where that meat came from. It's just been, you know, we just see it here in the store. We don't know the history of it where it is nice to have these agencies that can look at these things and make sure that they're safe, that they're following certain regulations, that the food isn't tainted. It's not going to kill us. I mean, obviously they're not going to be hundred percent perfect because there have been problems, but the problems are far less than they were before we had it. I mean, we created it. The whole reason it was created because people were dying all over the country because they read tainted meat and, and, and all these things. So, you know, so there was a public outcry. We need to do something to protect our families. We don't want, we don't know where this meat's coming from. We want to make sure it's safe. So they created these things. So I don't mind there being 
some government regulation on some of these things. There is a place for it. But what but it is it is somewhat of a socialist idea of the government being involved in business. In a true capitalist society, the government is hands off business. No regulations, no taxes, no um, no oversight, nothing. And the idea is the free market will regulate it if uh, you know if a if a company says if a store says of Meyer if Meyer will use Meyer said that you know we're we're not going to allow any blacks to enter our store that the free market in the black black people would go to Walmart and shop instead of at Meyer. And there would be a lot of white people who would be offended that the store is whites only and wouldn't shop there. And so it wouldn't take long before that business would either have to change its policy and be open to everybody or it would shut down. That's the argument for free markets. That if, if you go to this mom, pa um, restaurant that sells hamburgers and everyone who eats there gets sick, uh, people aren't going to eat at that restaurant. So they're either going to enforce uh, higher standards get rid of their cook, do everything differently, you know, make sure everything's clean, make sure their vendors are all properly vetted, you know, or they're going to go out of business. That's the idea of the free market that um, the people will make the decision. And if you screw up, then the people will boycott or they'll, or they'll find somewhere or, you know, whatever. Um, and that's the argument that people have against the bailouts. And I, I do have that argument, you know, and I, I kind of walk a fine line because I understand government regulation and I don't have a problem with some government regulation in theory, but then at the same time, I do have a problem with this idea that we don't have a free market in this country, that, that our government bails out businesses. The whole idea of free market is that if you can't, if you can't sustain your business, then you shouldn't be in business. If, if if you can't get customers to come to your store, your store should shut down. That's the free market. And, and you know, but what we have is like with GM and, and we had this with the banks in 2008 and where they will mismanage their money or they will be a complete disaster and they will do all these horrible things and then people boycott them and they lose money and the company's about to go bankrupt and then our government will then give them a bailout to keep them in business. That's not free market. If the government is giving them money to stay in business, the idea is that bad companies would be shut down because the free market would shut them down. And here the government is propping up businesses that shouldn't be still be in business because either nobody wants that business or they're horribly mismanaged and they need to get rid of the people who are mismanaging it, but instead they're getting rewarded. The government bails them out. This person, you know, they get $5 million in debt and the government says, well, we'll pay off your debt and give you some money to keep your company going. How did they learn a lesson? Then every big company says, well, we can just, we can screw over our customers. We can do whatever we want. And it doesn't matter because the government will bail us out. But that's the big business. I mean, they won't do that for, you know, for the little mom pa shop down the road. So, th so they agreed to allow this uh, regulation, but with the caveat that we will have no competition. People only have to come to us. And the government agreed to it. 
And that is not free market. There has to be competition. And the government, I hear this phrase all the time, and I'm going to use it even though it's become a cliche in Washington, but the government isn't in the business of picking winners or losers. I hear that all the time. It's not true at all, but you'll hear Republicans and Democrats say that all the time, that our government is neutral. It's not in the business of picking winners or losers. But that's exactly what they do. They, in this case, Michigan picks certain distilleries and picks them as winners. You guys, we're going to support. And if somebody tries to come against you and create a product that's cheaper or, or better, we will stop them. So you're picking them as a loser. This person's a winner. That person's a loser. We're going to destroy the loser. That is not the government's role is to be picking winners and losers in business. It's not up to the government to decide which business they think should remain in power and which one should not. So I am totally in favor of taking off the controls in the Michigan um, liquor. Uh, there should be regulations. Uh, we don't want people drinking kerosene and things like that. Um, you know, these people just want to get a buzz or they want to get drunk. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's one of the two. They want to get a buzz. They want to get drunk. They want whatever. They don't want to die. They're not taking cyanide tablets. They, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, they got what they deserved. You know, they should, you know, they got what they deserved. You hear that also about people who, who, you know, shoot up heroin and it kills them, you know, because it ends up being some other drug. You know, they shot up you know, bleach into their arms or something like, well, they got what they deserved. No, um, they didn't because they weren't bad people. They had an addiction. All they wanted was to get high here. All these people wanted to get drunk. I mean, you don't want them. All I want to get, all I want to do is just sit at home and do some drinking. I'm not going to be driving all over the place. I'm not going to grab a gun and go, you know, uh, attempt to shoot somebody. I'm not going to rape anybody. I'm just going to sit at home and get drunk. Not me personally, but I'm just saying this is the average Michigander. I just want to get home, drink some beers, maybe get drunk tonight, you know, this weekend. Just forget about all my cares. Um, you know, they shouldn't have to worry that they're drinking kerosene or something and and they're going to die that night. You know, that's not what they intended to do. They weren't this isn't a suicide mission. They didn't say I want to commit suicide. They said, "I just want to chill out. I've had a rough week. I want to chill out, just relax." So, I'm in favor of there being some regulation because we saw that in the Old West. We saw it in the 1920s during Prohibition where people were literally drinking, we're talking real alcohol, not, not spirit alcohol, but sometimes people were drinking gasoline. They were drinking um, lighting fluid. They were drinking um, kerosene. They were drink, you know, uh, people were mixing these things in the drinks and it was killing people. It was making them enormously sick, destroying their livers and things. And so I don't have a problem there being some regulation on alcohol just to make sure that people are actually getting alcohol and they're not, you know, they're not being cheated. They're not getting watered down. You know, they're not paying $90 for champagne, which is 10% champagne and 90% water. You know, um, you know, that's, that's pretty misleading and that's, that should be illegal to, to sell something as champagne. That's not champagne. That's mostly just water. It just has a little touch of champagne. Well, there should be some regulation on that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem when they prop up a company and they say, we're going to make sure that you don't have any competition. That's wrong. That's un, um, I think it's unconstitutional. I don't know that for sure. I can't think of what 
of where in the Constitution that would be illegal, but um, but it's immoral. Let me just put it that way. It is immoral to do that, for the government to do that, to pick and choose, to say that that I could not, if I so desired, open my own distillery and make it more profitable, better, better product, cheaper than them. And the government says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Like, why can't I do that? Why can't I? Why can't I start my own rival beer? Because we've decided that they're the only ones who are allowed to make beer in this in this state. What? You don't have that. I, I am free to make alcohol if I wanted to. Like, how can you? And if I wanted to share it with my family and friends, and they wanted to pay me for it, I should be able to do that. I shouldn't have to jump through hoops. In order to be allowed, uh, I will not even jump through hoops, um, but I shouldn't have to beg permission from you and then be denied and told, no, you can't do that. Um, you know, so I just, I don't, I don't think we should have, I don't think we should have that much tax on, I don't think, I don't like the idea of the sin tax anyway. Um, I, I, I just don't, I mean, I, 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 I understand why we need some taxes. Absolutely. Um, Benjamin Franklin was right. There will always be death and there will always be taxes. Um, but I'm not a big fan of taxes in general. So I not, a, I'm not in favor of this syntax where they tax cigarettes and they tax alcohol and gambling and all this other stuff. I mean, either, I mean, I'm not in favor of it, but either make it all illegal and say you can't do it or don't tax it. Say it's it's legal, you got, but we're not going to tax it. I don't, you know, it's just you can't have it both ways. You can't say uh, we think gambling is immoral and wrong, but we want a percentage of it. Or, you know, we really don't condone people drinking. We think it's a bad thing or smoking weed or smoking or smoking cigarettes. We think it's horrible and nasty. But if you do it, though, we want our cut. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't allow it. And, you know, if it's that wrong, don't allow it. Say, we're not going to allow that in our state. Um, or say, we're going to allow it, but we're not going to have any part of it because that's tainted money. We're not going to get rich off of other people getting drunk. That's not how we're going to work as a state. We're not you know, we don't want you to gamble. So we're not going to, we're not going to collect money from you gambling. If you gamble that we're not going to take a percentage of that because it's tainted money. That money was gotten from gambling. You know, that's, that's what I don't understand. You can't have it both ways. You can't, in my opinion, you can't say something is wrong. It's a sin. It's wrong, but we want a little percentage of it when you do it. Um, you know, on the side, it's just, it just seems kind of creepy. Like a parent who, you know, I, I don't know, you know, um, you know, but like a father who tells their son, you know, we don't want you having sex in the house while you're living here. But, you know, if you do try to be quiet so it doesn't wake up your mother, you know, like, how are you doing it both ways? You, It's either there's none in this house or or um, or there is you can't you can't you know, you can't play both sides. You can't say. We think it's immoral drinking and gambling and smoking and 
all this, but if you do it, we want a little percentage on it too. Make sure you throw some of that money to us. I mean, you just can't do it both ways. You can't have it both ways. So anyway, I'm I'm in favor of less regulation. That part of regulation on liquor, the control part, the controlled liquor. Um, I don't mind having some regulations on liquor itself to make sure that people aren't being poisoned and cheated. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't approve of the monopolies. So anyway, time is fleeting. And I will talk to you all next week. Hope you all have a great week. And... For all of us at Homespotcast, have a great day. Bye.